1: Said, uh uh, wait just a minute. What everybody else said, there was no hope in God. You said, no, there's hope, and I'm bringing it back. Where everybody else said, you shouldn't even trust anymore. God, you're turning around, and now there's trust in my life again. There's breakthrough in my life again. There's hope in my life again. And I trust you this morning.
0: We worship you, oh God. Come on, somebody, worship.
1: middle of your turnaround Begin to worship me Father I worship you You're holy You're holy You're holy You're holy Yeah And I trust you oh God And I worship you right in my turnaround God Even before I see the turnaround happen I worship you Praise is bringing a breakthrough in your situation right now. Come on, your worship is bringing a breakthrough in your situation right now. You try praying about it, start praising about it right now. Father, I worship you.
0: Hallelujah. I need you.
1: praise out ahead of the victory, we send our praise out ahead of the battle, that we send our worship out in the front lines, and we worship you out of our knees. Your,
0: your your your
1: There are folks in the house this morning that have been praying for months for a breakthrough. There are folks in the house that have been believing for, for years for a breakthrough. God, there are folks in the house that have been trusting you for a breakthrough. But Father, this morning we declare that like they did in the Old Testament, we will send our praisers out front. And before we ever get there, the victory will be won. Before we ever step in into the battleground, the victory will be won. So, Father, we praise you. We give you a preview this morning. This is what we're going to do when the victory's won. This is what we're going to do when the battle's been won. We will praise you.
0: We will praise you.
1: prophetically over somebody right now. It's a good day. This morning. God, I pray that where there was apathy, you would bring passion. I pray, God, that where there was sickness, you would bring health. God, I pray that where there was need, you would bring provision right now. God, I pray that where there was distress, you would bring peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray that where there was depression, you would bring hope. God, I pray that where there was a frown on our face, you would replace it with joy unspeakable and full of glory. God, I pray that where we were walking with our head down, you would be the glory and the lifter of our head and our countenance would change. It is a new day. And Father, we praise you accordingly this morning. We thank you for your presence in the house this morning. We thank you that you're more than enough. We thank you this morning that you can give us more than more, that we cannot deplete your supply, that we cannot tap you out. God, there is more of you than we can ever hope for or even imagine. And we thank you this morning that you're able, exceedingly able, above and beyond, beyond our wildest imaginations. You're able. Father, we thank you this
0: morning
1: we thank you this morning aren't you thankful this morning aren't you thankful this morning that god is able come on give him a hand clap of praise before we change into, father you're able and we're thankful you're able we worship you we worship you Come on, find three people say he's able. He's able. Give him a high five. Touch him on the shoulder. Make contact. Say he's able. He's able. He's able. He's able. He's able. So
0: thankful,
1: you. Man, I'm thankful he's able. You may be seated if you want to you glad god's in the house this morning amen i'm thankful god is in the house this morning we're also thankful that you're in the house this morning and so we want to welcome you to passion church say we're so delighted that you're here and process is what our church is about we told you that the first step is encounter we said the second step is equip and we've been talking to you for the last two weeks about becoming equipped how many of you know it's important to be equipped Right? It's not enough to come dance the paint off the walls and shout. If you don't have the tools necessary to live, you're going to struggle. Doesn't matter how much you jump and shout on Sunday mornings, you've still got to be equipped so that you can live your life. Let's do this. How many of you can illustrate equipped? All right, Encounters hands up. Equipped is open, open, open. Ah, almost. you got to study a little, little more this week. And then we're, the last step is engage, which is hands out. Right? That's our secret handshake. Y'all don't tell nobody about that handshake, all right? So are uh, you ready, Danny? Nah, forget it. We'll forget it. I had this cool little video. I'll show it to you next week maybe. Anyway, two weeks ago I told you that we, as we begin this equip series called What Are You Good For? That... David's mighty men were the perfect examples of us. The Bible says in description of them that they were basically misfits. If you read it in the Message Bible, it says exactly that. They were a bunch of misfits because they were distressed, they were in debt, and they were discontent. And I told you that that describes us. Most of us are either distressed, in debt, or discontent. Then I told you that the really incredible thing about the story of David's mighty men was that he was able to turn all those kind of folks around and turn them into a mighty fighting force because of four reasons. The first was they rallied around a common goal or cause which for us is our passion process then second I told you that they were able to become mighty men because they fought for one another instead of fighting against one another they fought for one another how many of you fought for somebody this week Oh, come on. Be honest now. You prayed for somebody in, in this room. I hope you did. I've been, I've been fighting for some of you this week. And, and then, it's, then, then I told you that they had to be willing to fight. This is not going to be an easy journey. This is going to be hard work. When you take distressed, discontent, indebted people and try to turn them around, it may take some time. We've got to fight this thing out. And then finally, I told you that the final step to find the corporate de- destiny was that they rallied around a leader. They trusted their leader. And so we dealt with that. So last week, I began a story with you, my favorite story in the whole Bible, I think, about Abishai. And you will remember that I told you that, that David's sister had a son by the name of Abishai. And it was one of his mighty men. And, and I told you that out of the story of Abishai, that if we look carefully, we can discover principles that will help us to find our destiny individually. How many of you want to know what you're good for? Hey Amen. I want to know what I'm good for. I don't want anybody to have to look at me and say, what in the world are you good for? I want to know. And I told you that out of Abishai's life story, we could find principles or 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 guidelines or illustrations of how we could find our destiny. And so I said that the first thing that, that is so important is that you've got to know his name because his name means the father of a gift. And so Abishai, when he was called the father of a gift, we, we realized that he instantly is set on this journey trying to discover what his gift is. And he spends the rest of his life trying to discover what his gift is so that he can give his gift. And, and so I told you out of that that there, the first two principles was this. The first is, is that you have to listen to the whisper again because just as Abishai's father leaned over his crib and said your name is Abishai you're the father of a gift and he whispered to him on a nightly basis and told him he was destined the truth and the, and the fact of the matter is, is that God is leaning over you right now every day of your life and whether you know it or not whether your mom and daddy knew it or not whether anybody else realizes it or understands it or not you too are an Abishai you too are the father of a gift you too have a great destiny and great significance that lies in you and the way that you get that is you've got to tune your ear right to the right voice and quit listening to all the voices that say you're a nothing, you're a nobody. You'll never amount to anything. You need to hear God again. He's saying this morning you're destined. There's significance for you. And then secondly, I told you that Abishai was constantly trying to give his gift. I, and I challenged you last week, don't sit on your gift. Don't let the song that's in you die. Don't let, let the service that's in you die. Don't let the outreach that's in you die. You can't just sit on your gift for the rest of your life and never give you gift. And Abishai constantly was on a pursuit of his gift. He was constantly trying to give his gift. And I let, read some verses of Scripture to you last week that illustrated that. And that brings us up to speed for this week. We're going to look at two more principles out of Abishai's life this morning that I think will help you. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 26, beginning in verse 6. Now, I have read most of these scriptures to you, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to add one little scripture to each of the end of these passages that kind of complete that section of the story and then I'm going to add one new section and then I'm going to in one about a paragraph read it to you out of my words not as long as last week that will just kind of continue the story for us. so first Samuel chapter 26 verse 6 says then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zariah brother to Joab saying who will go down with me to Saul to the camp and Abishai said I will go down with thee Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered up thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spirit of the earth at one stroke, and I will not have to smite him the second time. And this is the new part. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can put forth his hand against Jehovah's anointed and be guiltless? First Samuel chapter 24. I read this part to you. Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And David and his men were hiding at the back of the cave, and they whispered to David, The Lord told you He was going to let you defeat your enemies and do whatever you want with them. This must be the day that the Lord was talking about. So David sneaked over and cut off a small piece of Saul's robe. But Saul didn't notice a thing. thing. Here's the new part. And he said to his men, God forbid that I should have done this to my master, God's anointed, that I should so much as raise a finger against him. He's God's anointed. David held his men in check with these words and wouldn't let them pounce on Saul. Saul got up, left the cave, and went on down the road. Then I told you the story of how Absalom took over power and, and rebelled against his own father David and threw him out of the throne. And David, rather than fighting his own son, decided to leave. And I read to you this passage of scripture: Second Samuel chapter sixteen, verses five through six and nine through ten. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, there came out thence a man of the family, the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came out and he cursed still as he came and he cast stones at David and all the servants of the king David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left hand and then Abishai spoke up and he said this, why should this dead dog curse my Lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. He was constantly trying to give his gift. And then listen, here's the new part. And the king said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zariah? Because he curseth and because Jehovah hath said unto him, curse David, who then shall say, wherefore hast thou done so? Then I read to you that Absalom was killed by Abishai's brother. And so they're coming back into the, the palace area and they're walking down the road. And 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 16, 19, 21 through 22, Shimei comes back and it says, Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, who was a Bahurum, hasted, came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And he said unto the king, Let not my lord impute iniquity unto me, neither do thou remember what... That which thy servant did perversely the day that the Lord my king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should not take it to his heart. Again, Abishai pipes up, wanting to give his gift. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, answered, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed Jehovah's anointed? Now listen to the new part. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah, that you should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel. And then the brand new section, First Chronicles chapter 11, verses 10, verses 20 and 21, says, Now these are the chief among the mighty men whom David had, who showed themselves strong with him in his kingdom, together with all of Israel to make him king, according to the word of Jehovah concerning Israel. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was the chief of the three, For he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them, and he had a a name among the three. Of the three he was more honorable than the two, and was made their captain, howbeit he attained not to the first three. Now in my own words, two paragraphs, he's offered three times. Three times he's been refused. The whisper has grown quieter. Abishai remains faithful to David. He proves himself in battle. He kills 300 enemy soldiers single-handedly in one battle and 18,000 Edomites in another. He is promoted to captain of David's army. He is famous. Scripture says that Abishai has a name among the mighty men, and that was the issue. He had a name. He was successful, brave, well-known, applauded, and still he couldn't get away from his name. The whisper wasn't loud But it was constant to be continued. Got to come back next week. Now, the principles that I want to share with you. Last week, I dealt principle number one, principle number two. I want to give you principle number three and principle number four this morning. These are those. Hear me carefully. I believe that Abishai tried to give his gift on four different occasions. I know we can only prove three. I think he tried the first time in the cave when Saul came in to relieve himself can't prove that one, but I believe it was Abishai because of the pattern of his life. He was constantly trying to give his gift over and over again. So we see that, that uh, when David goes down into Saul's camp to sneak up on Saul, it was Abishai that said, let me kill him. When Shimei came out the first time as David's going out in, in shame and embarrassment, it was Abishai that said, let, him kill, let me kill him. And when he came back after his son Absalom had died, it was Abishai that said, let me kill him. He was constantly trying to give his gift, but hear me this morning. Threw him a curveball on the on the video. Anyway, uh, let's do this. How many of you can illustrate equipped? All right, encounters hands up. Equipped is open, open, open. Ah, almost. You got to study a little little more this week. And then we're the last step is engage, which is hands out. Right? That's our secret handshake. Y'all don't tell nobody about that handshake. All right. So, are uh, you ready, Danny? Nah, forget it. We'll forget it. I had this cool little video. I'll show it to you next week, maybe. Anyway, two weeks ago, I told you that we, as we begin this Equip series called What Are You Good For, that... David's mighty men were the perfect examples of us. The Bible says in description of them that they were basically misfits. If you read it in the message Bible, it says exactly that. They were a bunch of misfits because they were distressed, they were in debt, and they were discontent. And I told you that that describes us. Most of us are either distressed, in debt, or discontent. Then I told you that the really incredible thing about the story of David's mighty men was that he was able to turn all those kind of folks around and turn them into a mighty fighting force because of four reasons. The first was They rallied around a common goal or cause Which for us is our passion process Then second I told you that they were able to become mighty men Because they fought for one another Instead of fighting against one another They fought for one another How many of you fought for somebody this week? Oh, come on, be honest now. You prayed for somebody in, in this room. I hope you did. I've been, I've been fighting for some of you this week. And then, it's, then then I told you that they had to be willing to fight. This is not going to be an easy journey. This is going to be hard work. When you take distressed, discontent, indebted people and try to turn them around, it may take some time. We've got to fight this thing out. And then finally, I told you that the final step to find the corporate de- destiny was that they rallied around a leader. They trusted their leader. And so we dealt with that. So last week, I began a story with you, my favorite story in the whole Bible, I think, about Abishai. And you will remember that I told you that, that David's sister had a son by the name of Abishai and it was one of his mighty men. And, and I told you that out of the story of Abishai, that if we look carefully, we can discover principles that will help us to find our destiny individually. How many of you want to know what you're good for? Hey Amen. I want to know what I'm good for. I don't want anybody to have to look at me and say, what in the world are you good for? I want to know. And I told you that out of Abishai's life story, we could find principles or 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 guidelines or illustrations of how we could find our destiny and so i said that the first thing that that is so important is that you got to know his name because his name means the father of a gift. And so Abishai, when he was called the father of a gift, we, we realized that he instantly is set on this journey trying to discover what his gift is. And he spends the rest of his life trying to discover what his gift is so that he can give his gift. And and so I told you out of that that there, the first two principles was this. The first is is that you have to listen to the whisper again because just as Abishai's father leaned over his crib and said your name is Abishai you're the father of a gift and he whispered to him on a nightly basis and told him he was destined the truth and the, and the fact of the matter is, is that God is leaning over you right now every day of your life and whether you know it or not whether your mom and daddy knew it or not whether anybody else realizes it or understands it or not you too are an Abishai you too are the father of a gift you too have a great destiny and great significance that lies in you and the way that you get that Is you've got to tune your ear right to the right voice and quit listening to all the voices that say you're a nothing, you're a nobody, you'll never amount to anything. You need to hear God again. He's saying this morning, You're destined, there's significance for you. And then, secondly, I told you that Abishai was constantly trying to give his gift. I, and I challenged you last week, don't sit on your gift. Don't let the song that's in you die. Don't let, let the service that's in you die. Don't let the outreach that's in you die. You can't just sit on your gift for the rest of your life and never give you gift. And Abishai constantly was on a pursuit of his gift. He was constantly trying to give his gift. And I let, read some verses of Scripture to you last week that illustrated that. And that brings us up to speed for this week. We're going to look at two more principles out of Abishai's life this morning that I think will help you. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 26, beginning in verse 6. Now, I have read most of these scriptures to you, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to add one little scripture to each of the end of these passages that kind of complete that section of the story and then i'm going to add one new section and then i'm going to in one about a paragraph read it to you out of my words not as long as last week that will just kind of continue the story for us so first samuel chapter 26 verse 6 says then answered david and said to ahimelech the hittite and abishai the son of zariah brother to joab saying who will go down with me to saul to the camp and abishai said i will go down with thee Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered up thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spirit of the earth at one stroke. And I will not have to smite him the second time. And this is the new part. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can put forth his hand against Jehovah's anointed and be guiltless? 1 Samuel chapter 24. I read this part to you. Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And David and his men were hiding at the back of the cave, and they whispered to David, The Lord told you He was going to let you defeat your enemies and do whatever you want with him. This must be the day that the Lord was talking about. So David sneaked over and cut off a small piece of Saul's robe, but Saul didn't notice a, thing. Here, notice a thing. Here's the new part. And he said to his men, God forbid that I should have done this to my master, God's anointed, that I should so much as raise a finger against him. He's God's anointed. David held his men in check with these words and wouldn't let them pounce on Saul. Saul got up, left the cave, and went on down the road. Then I told you the story of how Absalom took over power and, and rebelled against his own father David and threw him out of the throne. And David, rather than fighting his own son, decided to leave. And I read to you this passage of Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 6 and 9 through 10. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, there came out thence a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came out and he cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David and all the servants of the King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left hand. And then Abishai spoke up and he said this. Why should this dead dog curse my Lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. He was constantly trying to give his gift. And then listen, here's the new part. And the king said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zariah? Because he curseth and because Jehovah hath said unto him, curse David. Who then shall say, wherefore hast thou done so? Then I read to you that Absalom was killed by Abishai's brother. And so they're coming back into the the palace area and they're walking down the road. And 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 16, 19, 21 through 22, Shimei comes back and it says, Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, who was a Bahurum, hasted, came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And he said unto the king, Let not my lord impute iniquity unto me, neither do thou remember what that which thy servant did perversely the day that my, the Lord my king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should not take it to his heart. Again, Abishai pipes up, wanting to give his gift. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, answered, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed Jehovah's anointed? Now listen to the new part. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah, that you should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel. And then the brand new section, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 10, verses 20 and 21, says, Now these are the chief among the mighty men whom David had, who showed themselves strong with him in his kingdom, together with all of Israel to make him king, according to the word of Jehovah concerning Israel. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was the chief of the three For he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them, and he had a a name among the three. Of the three he was more honorable than the two, and was made their captain, howbeit he attained not to the first three. Now in my own words, two paragraphs, he's offered three times. Three times he's been refused. The whisper has grown quieter. Abishai remains faithful to David. He proves himself in battle. He kills 300 enemy soldiers single-handedly in one battle and 18,000 Edomites in another. He is promoted to captain of David's army. He is famous. Scripture says that Abishai has a name among the mighty men, and that was the issue. He had a name. He was successful, brave, well-known, applauded, and still he couldn't get away from his name. The whisper wasn't loud. But it was constant to be continued. Got to come back next week. Now, the principles that I want to share with you. Last week, I dealt principle number one, principle number two. I want to give you principle number three and principle number four this morning. These are those. Hear me carefully. I believe that Abishai tried to give his gift on four different occasions. I know we can only prove three. I think he tried the first time in the cave when Saul came in to relieve himself. Can't prove that one, but I believe it was Abishai because of the pattern of his life. He was constantly trying to give his gift over and over again. So we see that that uh, when David goes down into Saul's camp to sneak up on Saul, it was Abishai that said, "Let me kill him." When Shimei came out the first time as David's going out in, in shame and embarrassment, it was Abishai that said, "Let him kill. Let me kill him." And when he came back after his son Absalom had died, it was Abishai that said, "Let me kill him." He was constantly trying to give his gift. But hear me this morning write that down he always asked before he struck some of you never give your gift because no one asked you and i told you last week i don't want you to wait until you're asked i don't want you to have to wait until somebody comes and begs you come on give your gift you got such a great gift Can, we just need you so bad won't you just kind of help us we really need you to plug this hole come on baby come on we need and and they they pat you on the back we don't need that we will you need to be willing you need to be trying to give your gift every week every gift i gotta find a, if i'm not sure what my gift is i'm going to give it. I'm going to give it. I'm going to keep trying to give it until I find it. But here's the principle you should learn to always ask before you strike. Well, you say, what's so important about that? Let me tell you what's so important about that. I remember in the New Testament and in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane when, the, when the soldiers came to get uh, Jesus, Peter didn't ask permission and he struck. And what happens? He gets rebuked by the Lord. The only time that we cause problems and we create bad situations is when we try to give our gift in the wrong time. When we try to find our gift and we just throw it out there. And what I've discovered is that although Abishai was always asking or always trying to give his gift, he was always faithful to ask permission first. He may not have had the best handle on timing, but he had a great handle on authority and spiritual submission. He understood the principle that i got to find the, the, the authority that's in that place and i got to submit to it and say, is this the right time? Should I give my gift now? I'm willing. I'm standing here. I'm, I'm dying to give my gift. But let me ask you first, is this okay? Is this the right time? See, I've discovered something that so many of us are so anxious to give our gift that a lot of times we get out of line. And most of us, we're so anxious to give this, find our destiny and give this gift that God has placed in us that we end up just throwing our gift around. And what happens is it creates chaos and it creates pain and people have to come behind us and clean up our mess. Some of us get the big head because we're so gifted. And so now nobody can tell us when it's the right time and it's the wrong time and what we should, how we should give our gift and when we shouldn't give our gift. And so we hurt people because we're not willing to submit. We get a business card that says, have gift, we'll travel right? I'll just do my part. I'm ready. Every opportunity. And so we've got to be careful that we learn to ask permission. John Maxwell says it like this. He says, the wrong action at the wrong time leads to disaster. The right action, because some of you are gifted and we want you to give your gift and it's the right action for you to give your gift. But if you do the right action at the wrong time, it brings resistance. And the wrong action at the right time is a mistake, but the right action at the right time results in success. The reason it is so important for you to learn the principle of asking before you strike because timing is crucial. Timing is everything. So we remember in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, the Bible teaches us very clearly that our gift will make room for us, right? So, because God has deposited part of himself in you, and he's given you a gift, and he's given you a purpose, and he's given you a destiny in your life, that gift, you don't even have to really do anything, it will just begin to make room for you. You don't have to pull strings, you don't have to make special phone calls and say, can I do this, can I do that, you don't have to make way for yourself, your gift will make room for you. But what we've got to learn to do is submit to the spiritual authority in our life and those that are over us so that we don't strike at the wrong time and waste our gift. Uh, Perfect example. This is a really easy, simple example, but let me give it to you and maybe it will help you understand. For instance, some of you are sitting in the house right now that would help us tear down and set up every week. But you don't because we haven't asked you. We're not going to ask you. Well, we might. The tighter we get of setting up, we might. The point is that we, we shouldn't have to ask you. If we're trying to find our role and we're looking for places of service and we're Abishai's the father of a gift, and we're not sure what that gift is, then what we got to do is be available and we're trying to serve everywhere. But we got to learn the lesson of Abishai's life and we got to ask before we strike. Simple illustration: If you come in here and say, "You know what? They got to tear most of this stuff down on Sunday." I think I'll just jump in and start tearing stuff down. How many of you know you can create more problems than you can help? Like if you get the wrong thing and put it away that we didn't have to take down, now we we're going to have to take extra time when it's time to set up and set it all back up. And not only that, you might take something and put it somewhere we have nowhere idea where it's at, and now we're going to panic and looking everywhere. Am I, does that make sense? It's a simple illustration. But the truth is, is we got to learn to ask before we strike. Let me, let me bring, make it real spiritual for you and, and set some principles in the house. We, we've been talking about this, and we planned this from the very beginning, but today's the day we're going to show you how this is going to work. For instance, we are Pentecostal. I don't know if you knew you stumbled into a Pentecostal church, but we are Pentecostal. We're not Pentecostal because it's in our name. It's not we're not Pentecostal because we're part of a Pentecostal conference. We're not Pentecostal because we're Pentecostal. We're part of a denomination. Listen, we are Pentecostal, but because we have experienced the power of Pentecost in our lives and we are anticipating and expecting the manifestation of God in the house through signs and wonders and spiritual gifts. And that includes tongues and interpretations and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and healing and faith and the whole gamut now. Paul taught us very clearly that if we just walk in here and we all give our gift all at the same time, it creates chaos, right? So we've got to learn the principle. We've got to ask before we strike. I believe, I am convinced over the last few weeks that at moments during our praise and worship, there have been words of wisdom and words of knowledge and perhaps tongues and interpretation that should go forth. But some of you have hesitated because you had already learned this principle. You always ask before you strike, and I'm glad you learned it because it creates chaos otherwise. So we're going to help you. We're going to ask you to who to. Ask, or we're going to teach you who to ask. Are you ready? This is how it works. Any time, any moment, we believe God can break in at any moment in one of our services. In fact, if He doesn't, I'm going to be upset because that means we're doing it in our own power right? I want God to show up. So we're going to set these guidelines. If you feel like you have a word of God from God, it can be a verse of scripture. It could be tongues and interpretation. It could be word of wisdom, whatever it is, maybe just a, a sense. We need to go this direction. Can I help you this morning? Ask before you strike. If you don't, you'll create chaos. This is how to have John stand up for me. Will you? I hope you got my email. I emailed John. Good dad. Will you stand up? Miss Susan, will you stand up? And Tina, will you stand up? These are the people at any moment in a service. That you can go to. And here's how it works. You just go to them and say, you know what? I feel like God wants me to say this. You know what they'll do? They'll help you with timing. Well, I've never been in a church that does it that way. This is back to your old church, right? These people will help us discern timing and they'll get my attention and they'll say, Steve, come here, and and I'll listen to what's going on and then I'll help with timing and we can do this in order, Amen. You guys can be seated. They are going to help us. So there are your instructions. If you've got a word, ask before you strike. You say, well, I've never been in a church where you have to ask somebody before you give a, a message in tongues. Let me tell you, it works. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I was in a youth ministry in North Carolina for six and a half years, had a young lady walk up to me in the middle of service one time and say, I've got a, I've got a message in tongues. And I just kind of looked at her. I'd never seen that before. I said, okay. She didn't say anything. I said, you have a message in tongues? She said, yeah. I said, okay, one of my mature young people, I understood that I could trust her. So I handed her the mic. When I handed her the mic, she gave the message in tongues and immediately interpreted. And I met, she taught me a lesson that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And you can just as easily as you can turn it on, you can turn it off. It's always flowing. It's like the water at your house. The only thing that's keeping it shut down is the knob is turned off. Open the knob up, but do it in the right order. Amen. We don't want chaos, but we do want God to move. So there's your instructions. Ask before you strike. Now listen to me. You got to learn this. You're going to get your feelings hurt. We're not going to hurt your feelings. We're going to do it carefully and tenderly. But there will be moments when you feel like you've got a word from God and it won't be the right time. We need to learn this lesson this morning. Here it is. A refusal may not mean it's not your gift. Just because somebody says no, it's not right the right time doesn't mean they're saying no, this is not your gift. No, God didn't use you. What they are saying is this might not just be the right time. And so we've got to learn that a refusal is not saying this isn't your gift. A refusal may simply mean there might be a better moment for you to serve. There might be a better moment for you to tear something down. There might be a better moment for you to move that piece of furniture. There might be a better, better moment for you to count the offering. There... Are you with me this morning? We're trying to figure out what we're good for. The, the fourth lesson, and it's an important lesson, is this: you've got to prepare during the hidden time. See, Abishai knows he has a gift. He tries to give his gift at every turn, but he's refused every time he's he's, he's given that opportunity. He he's refused and refused. So what happens to Abishai? Does he sit down and pout? Does he sit on a pew and say, "Well, if you won't let me do what I want to do when I want to do it, I'm not going to help you, David. I'm sorry." Did he mope? Did he throw a hissy fit? Did he leave and go find another church? Well, all we really know is that we don't catch a glimpse of Abishai over for, for 30 years. 30 years. The only glimpse we catch of Abishai, one of which I read to you, is in First Chronicles chapter 11, where he kills 300 men by himself. And then if you go and flip over to First Chronicles 18, you fi- figure out that he led a charge and killed 18,000 enemy soldiers single-handedly all by himself. He, he wasn't moping. He w- Let me tell you what I believe Abishai was doing during the quiet times of his life. He was preparing. He was sparring. He was practicing. He was developing his skills. He was getting ready. Can, cause can you imagine this scene? Now, stay with me. I know this is a stretch. This is imagination here. But can you imagine the scene that the when Abishai's day comes, and it will come next week. There's a plug for next week. If you want to figure out what his gift was, you've got to come back next week. When his day shows up, If Abishai says, hang on just a minute, destiny, hang on just a minute, purpose, hang on just a minute, significance, I got to go get ready. I know I've known for 30 years that I was going to have this day, but now if you would just give me a couple more weeks, I could go practice and sharpen my sword and get my spear ready and I could get my my sumo moves all together and my MMA moves all together and then come back and we'll have us a little tussle. Then I'm ready to give my gift. How many of you know he would have missed his purpose? It would have been too late. We say, well, Steve, that's kind of crazy, is it? Because isn't that what most of us do? I've already declared to you, I've already said that every person under the sound of my voice is an Abishai. You are the father of a gift. God has significance and destiny planned for you. We know that God has gifted us to accomplish something in his kingdom on this earth. And yet during the quiet times, most of us, what we do is we pout, we piddle, and we procrastinate. We don't do nothing. If somebody would give me a microphone, then I would give my gift. If somebody would applaud for me, then I would probably get ready and give my gift. If somebody would pat me on the back and talk good about me and put my name in the bullets, then I might give my gift. And so during the hidden moments of our life, we're not doing squat. And the day shows up, and we have to go, well, now wait a minute, I-, I know I had a gift, but I haven't really gotten it ready. So if you could come back next week, then I'll serve in the nursery, then I'll work in the children's church, then I'll go on outreach, then I'll tell somebody about Jesus, then I'll sing, then I'll play my instrument, and guess what? You're too late. The opportunity's gone. We've got to learn to prepare in the quiet moments of our life, in the hidden moments of our life. See, we've got to become like Abishai and begin to prepare because it may be one year before you get to give your gift. It may be five years before you get to give your gift. It may be 20 years before you ever get to give that gift. It could even be 60 years before God shows up and gives you the opportunity to give your gift at the right moment. Because, hear me, you you are tomorrow what you decide to be and prepare to be today. That's good preaching right there. You are tomorrow what you decide to be and prepare to be today. So in the quiet time, what should you be doing? Preparing. In the unseen moments, what should you be doing? Preparing. In the mean time. I always love that phrase. The mean time. When things aren't going well, when everybody's turned their back on you, when nobody else pays you any attention, in the meantime, when your world's falling apart and it's going really bad and nothing's working out the way you thought it was going to, in the meantime. You should what? Prepare. While everyone else is taking it easy, while everybody else is having the party, while everybody else is fulfilling their purpose and their plan in life, what should you be doing? Preparing. You should be preparing. Quit waiting on somebody to hand you a microphone before you prepare. Quit waiting on a stage before you prepare. Because, here's the principle, in the hidden place is where God gets you ready to present your gift. Now, that is contrary to how we think because most of us look at hidden times because uh, of how we've been brought up, because of the games we played when, when we were children, we see hiding as a defensive position. But let me just tell you this morning that hiding is not defensive. I can prove it to you. In the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that Moses went to the top of the mountain and God hid him, right, in the cleft of a rock. Then we go over into the Old Testament a little further and we read the story of Elijah and the Bible says there was a drought on the land. There was no rain and God took him by a brook and what did he do with him there? He hid Elijah and in both cases when Moses comes off the mountain he suddenly is armed with a word of law and when Elijah comes away from the brook he is suddenly armed with a word of life because the Bible says there was a widow's son who's about to who has died and he goes in and he brings him back to life. Why? Because he was hidden. What I am saying to you is if you will allow God to hide you you can walk out of the hiding time and in your life God will have prepared in you a word of law and a word of life. The reason some of you walk around with no anointing and no power and no life and no passion is because you refuse to be it is not a defensive position. Hiding is an essential element of our life. He is preparing you for greatness. He doesn't do that while you're on stage. He does that when you're unseen. Those that, are, that, are, that refuse to be hidden and wind up on stage are carnal and can't stay there. They don't fail because they suddenly forgot everything. They didn't know anything to begin with. They hadn't been hidden long enough to get the power and the life in their, in their own heart and in their own spirit to be able to handle the pressure. Quit kicking and screaming against being hidden. You don't have to force your way out. If you leave hiding places too early, God will send you back. If you flunk kindergarten, guess what? You've got to go back and take it. And the same thing is true in, uh, in hiding. You've got to learn to embrace the hiding moments, to learn from the hiding moments. You aren't able to give your gift until you first are hidden. The reason that some of you keep trying to give your gift and you're refused, the reason that some of you keep trying to give your gift and you're frustrated, the reason that some of you keep trying to give your gift and you're not able to and it doesn't work out just like you thought and nobody paid you attention is because God has got you in a hidden place because you're not ready for your gift and your gift is not ready for you. T.D. Jake said this, and I think it's true, true. He says, success can be just as painful as failure if you aren't equipped for it. See, the truth is, is that we need you to begin preparing now. Don't wait on your day. Prepare now. Read now. Pray now. Write now. Sing now. Praise. fast now. Prepare your heart now so that when the day comes, you're ready. I like this statement. One man said it like this. He says, if we aren't prepared, then we arrive at the destinations we cannot occupy. We must remember that we are not called to visit our inheritance. We are called to possess our inheritance. And if all you do is you refuse to hide and you refuse to, to prepare, then you will visit your inheritance and you will never possess your inheritance. I am saying to you this morning that you've got to prepare as if you know who you are, even if you don't, you've got to get ready. Uh, One man said like this, he says, it takes 20 years to be an overnight success. He's right. Nobody just shows up and is a success. They prepare for it. I like what Henry Ford said. He said, before everything else, get ready. Getting ready is the secret to success. I like what Johnny Carson says. He says, talent alone won't make you a success. Neither will being in the right place at the right time unless you're ready. He said, the most important question is, are you ready? And then this is, I think this is profound. J.B. Matthew said this, he said, unless a man has trained himself for his chance, the chance will only make him look ridiculous. And he is so right. Some of us look foolish because when we get to the day that we're destined for, we're not ready and we fall flat on our face. I've learned a principle out of the the scripture that, that God teaches us and I want you to learn it this morning. Hear me carefully. God only inhabits prepared Places. Go read the the portions of scripture where Moses is building the temple, the tabernacle, and Solomon's building the the temple. Go read that and discover that God is only obligated; He is not obligated to make up the difference when we procrastinate. Don't give me the bull of why I just stand up. And God fills my mouth. No, don't blame that on God. He he always he always dwells in prepared places, and so. If you invite me to your house and say, Steve, I I really appreciate you as pastor, and so what we want you to do is we want you to come over and eat cake with us, and I arrive at your house, and sitting on your little counter is a box of flour, and a carton of eggs, and a thing of icing, and some sugar, and some vanilla, and say, There it is, Steve, dig in. I got news for you. I ain't eating. There's a cake there, but I'm not eating. Why? Because it's the preparation. When I'm not there to pat you on the back, when I'm not there to to brag about your cake, when I'm not there to say you're the best cook that ever lived, it's in the hidden times that you put it in the oven and get it ready so that when I arrive, the cake is ready and we can eat. See, some of us come off half-baked because we don't prepare our gifts. Let me teach you something this morning. Solomon teaches us this, that God takes care of the diligent. He doesn't deal with the slothful. You can't sit and do nothing. And here's the principle I want you to learn this morning. Hear me carefully. If we fail to prepare, hear me, our desires outrun our development. That is profound. I just gave you a profound piece of information and wisdom right there. If you fail to prepare because God is obligated, His Word says that our gift will make room for us, so He is obligated to allow your gift to make room for you. If you fail to prepare, your desires will outrun your development. guess what? You will end up on stage. If you can sing and carry a tune in a bucket, and you are so powerful in your singing ability and gift, and you're so powerful in your ability to play an instrument, or you're so gifted in drama, let me tell you, somebody somewhere will give you a stage. They don't care whether you're out drinking every night or not. They they just need your gift. They'll stick you on a stage somewhere. But if you don't prepare, your desires will outrun your development because it happens all through Scripture. The perfect example is Moses. Moses wanted to be a deliverer, right? The problem was he wasn't prepared. And his desires outran his development. You remember what he did? He killed somebody, right? Right? The same happens with us. Hear me this morning. If you don't prepare your gift, what will happen is you will hurt people. An unprepared gift is a dangerous gift. And so if you don't prepare, you will hurt somebody. Let me tell you what we need this morning. We need some Abishai's to get ready we need you to get your gift ready we need you to have a prepared gift my prayer is is that what's going to happen is you're going to get in the hidden place and God is going to produce in you such a powerful word of law and a powerful word of life that you're going to walk out of the hidden place and you're going to be so anointed that you glow in the dark and when you stand up to take the microphone that people's mouths are going to drop open when you serve as an usher people are going to dig deeper because they respond to your gift that when you do your drama people are going to be convicted and come to the Lord you're going to be so anointed but the only way that that happens is if you prepare. Let me remind you this morning of John chapter 1, verse 12, and I'm going to close. That portion of scripture teaches us this principle. It says he gives us power to become the sons of God. Those any that believe, right? You know the verse of scripture. I'm not going to read it for you. You know it. What that portion of scripture teaches us is this He gives us power to become before He gives us power to do. And some of you have been trying to do before you became. And what I am saying to you this morning out of the life of Abishai is this. Ask before you strike. You'll create chaos if you don't. And number two, I'm saying that even in the hidden times, even in the mean times, even when it doesn't seem like anybody will give you an opportunity, prepare. Your day is coming. But it will pass you by if you don't prepare. So how do you prepare real quickly? You get in Passion University and you get trained. Well, I already know everything. Get trained. I've heard it all before. That's all right. Get trained. Get trained. I could teach it better than they can. That's all right. Get trained. I could sing better than they can sing. That's all right. Stand out there and worship when nobody's paying you any attention. And nobody will hand you a microphone. Get ready. Prepare. Because your day is coming, and when it comes, you have to be ready to move. We can't wait on you to prepare then. Those are the lessons out of Abishai's life. Your, your gift will make room for you, but you need people in your life that can look you square in the eye and get rid of your rough edges. And then release you. Your Abishai's. Every one of you. Learn the lesson. Stand with me this morning. I encourage you strongly to be here next week. How does the story end? I feel like Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. We're going to do the rest of the story next week. You are going to be blown away what happens. It's one of the most incredible stories in the Bible. You want to be here, I promise you. But if you can't be, then you can listen on the Internet. But I want you to learn these lessons. You're the father of a gift. Hear the right whisper. Try to give your gift at every occasion. But ask before you strike. Prepare your gift because we don't want you to come off half-baked. We want you to be ready. Father, I pray over my folks today. I pray that you would use them in a mighty way. I pray throughout this week they would constantly be on a pursuit to find their gift. God, I pray that at every occasion they would try to give their gift. I pray that every instance, any possible place of service, they would immediately step up. Even if nobody's asked them. Even if nobody's come to them and begged them. God, I pray that we would just become a people that have a spirit of service and we would look for places and opportunities to serve you we're really not serving them we're serving you so God I pray that we would become that way but Father I pray that you'd teach us the lessons of Abishai this morning we would ask before we strike so that we won't create chaos give us a submissive spirit and we will look for the authority in the house and we will respond to them and we would submit to them and say would it be okay how do you want me to do this so that they can teach us timing they can teach us the right moment the right way Father, I pray that you'd help us to prepare. There are some gifted individuals in this house. God, there's no doubt that under the sound of my voice, there are people that have gifts that would awe us and that others would die to have and they're jealous of. And some of us are keep wondering, well, God, why won't you let me on stage? Why won't you let me give my gift? Father, this morning, I pray that you'd help us to remain hidden not to kick our way out of the hiding place you've held us back for a reason, you've quieted us down for a reason, you've hidden us away for a reason so Father this morning we just declare corporately and individually that we submit to your timing help us to be faithful in the quiet times God I pray that we would begin to prepare, we would practice, we would sing we would write, we would pray, we would study, we would do whatever we've got to do to get ready so that when our day comes and it will come that we, won't look, that we will not look ridiculous but we will follow the command of Peter when he tells us that we're chosen generation of royal priesthood teaching us that we're Abishai's. We're the Father of the gift. But how do we do our work? How do we serve? We show forth the excellencies of His name. How do we do that? By preparing. Father, help us to be prepared. Father, if there's one under the sound of my voice this morning that's frustrated, I pray that you'd quiet them in their spirit and help them to understand time. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.